I got life, mother. I got life, sister. I got freedom, brother. Here's your host, Alex Garrett. Today has been and feels like a good day. Ed Delgado, I know we're Facebook friends, so you might have seen this. Amazing news from my uh, my doctor saying my kidney, the only one I have, thanks be to God, is doing pretty well. So yes, life and and this is one day every day you celebrate life, but one of these days is a day you know you just got to celebrate it even more because you get the good news. And I truly believe with my friendships I made, my family, my love, my girlfriend, and and everybody out there, it's just been. One collective effort, and believe me, Ed Delgado, you've been part of that even in the short time I've known you. So uh, it's just a great day today. Every day is a beautiful day. That's what I try to tell everybody. That's what I tell my kids. And I got to tell you what I saw, what uh, you had wrote there. I was actually very happy for you. I didn't get a chance to comment to it yet, but, you know, congratulations. And always keeping that positive attitude. I think that is something that is incredible and the world needs more of. Ed Delgado is the Caramel Conservative. I'm, I, you still use that brand, right? I know you were trying to tweak your podcast, your live show and whatnot, but you're still the Caramel Conservative, right? That I am. I mean, we're still tweaking. We're still evolving. We're still kind of getting things better, um, but I'll always be that. So. And I was especially happy about my health. and it. I also wanted to come on here and say, you know, unfortunately, Luis Severino is having Tommy John surgery, but... In a day like today, I always want to remind you that life is bigger than sports. He will get better. I'm getting better. It, it will all come together eventually. So, the, the, you know, the morning right now that we're seeing, it'll go away soon and, and the Yanks will be all right. But speaking of health care, isn't that a big thing for Bernie Sanders that he wants to give everybody universal health care? And Ed... We have a great medical system now that allows people to get Tommy John, that allows people to get good news from doctors. I think, bottom line, if you and I were talking about this last night. If you look at his plan, our health care is down the tubes if he gets elected. Well, I just don't see how anywhere this is sustainable. This idea of increased taxes, mega lawsuits, um, the biggest thing, I, the biggest takeaway for me overall was by turning over the entire healthcare industry to the state, you are literally creating a class of indentured servants. How exactly is that going to incentivize anybody to go into the medical field uh, going forward? And we've seen that centralized healthcare doesn't always work. Centralized anything doesn't always work, right, Ed? Well, if you take a look, I mean, even just in the short time that Obamacare had been enacted, um, and I know, speaking for myself personally, I look back at my health care plans that I had in 2008, 9, 10. Uh, these were Cadillac plans. I mean, they, they were phenomenal. I, and, and, you know, thank God nothing horrible happened, but I could have gotten into a car, car wreck and walked away with a very minimal bill. You know, ever since Obamacare came into play, though, I mean, most people, you can't even really afford to go to the doctor, even with health insurance. It's still a great system that we have here in America, don't get me wrong, the healthcare system in and of itself is top-notch. It's the insurance portion that becomes the problem. That almost becomes cost-prohibitive. And if Sanders or anyone that has his mindset has their way, well, I, it's, I, I just don't see how, how it continues. 
So we would, because you're you, you identify as a caramel conservative, you identify as a minority that votes for Trump, and I identify I don't identify as a minority, but I know out there that that's what I'm looked at because I'm disabled. Sure. And so I almost think it's offensive that he thinks minorities would be on board with this. Don't don't you think that it's offensive? Uh, with- Without question, um, you know, and I've always said this for a lot of the individuals. In fact, they would, they would tell me, you know, well, how can you vote, you know, Republican? How can you vote for that guy? You know, what about your people? Well, number one, my people don't pay my bills. You know, and, and who exactly are your people? You know, and maybe it's a mindset thing, but I've always been of the mind that your people are the ones that, well, that you bond with. And that you're friends with. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Right. So to think that we have this monolithic line of thinking, and I didn't get the notes, you know, at the last uh, Brown person's meeting or anything like that, but, you know, we don't get notes like that. You should be able to think independently. And honestly, we should be looking at these numbers and those numbers don't care about your race or your ethnicity or your disability. You know, those numbers being, you know, what's it going to cost to go see a doctor, to get a special prosthetic, to get your medication for autism. That's what you should be looking at, not, you know, just, oh, you should vote this way because uh, you're Hispanic or black or whatever. And believe me, there are hardworking people that the Democrats are alienating left and right. Literally, the walkaway movement is happening before our very eyes. And <clears throat> I think that will, I think if Bernie's elected, that's the end of the Democratic Party. I just, I get that sense. And, and I would have to agree with you, but I do have pause and reservation about that because I would almost be afraid to see what's going to rise in its place. And I think this is, I think, something that's been overlooked quite a bit is that when and if the Democrat Party does indeed fall apart from what it traditionally has been, I honestly believe that you have the AOCs of the world, the Justice Democrats of the world that are sitting and waiting in the wings to fill that void. Because as we know, nature despises a void. And to be honest, it's it's usually generations who've come before us said that keep us sort of in the moderate way, right? So the, those who have survived the war, those who have seen the 50s, 60s, whatever, they're still keeping us, uh, you know, center or right of center compared to how the far left it is. But now you got a bunch of young kids out there who actually believe in this. And that, to me, is the scariest part of all. Well, what, what are they, and I'd like to ask you, what, what would you, what's your take on that? What do you think is kind of giving them the the idea that this idea of socialism is such a great idea. Uh, Because I think they've been taught it. I think we're seeing in the textbooks things being shaped a certain way now. Like there's no, there's no history teaching like we had history teaching. Mm -hmm. It is a shaped mindset and you don't have to go too far. You can literally watch Twitter melt down at Berkeley College because right. a conservative speaker is there. That's how much, that's how in front of our face it is. And I think it also goes further, too. I think we have an entire generation, and this is a good thing in a lot of ways, but we have an entire generation that has never wanted for anything. They've grown up with a remote control, whether it be a television remote or a, you know, game console remote in their hands 
Right. They've always had food. They've never had a summer without air conditioning. They've never had a winter without heat. They've never wanted, never had true hardship. And I always get the feeling that they live in this Gene Roddenberry Star Trek world. And they, they missed the, the, the memo where it said that this is fiction. It's not reality. It's fiction. Well, right. And I think the dystopia could be reality if we don't watch it. That's that's what I'm trying to fight against on this podcast. And that's why you have your show as well, because we're seeing the masses around us completely go a certain way. We don't want it to go. And I've got to ask you this. Do you think there are enough voices on? I wouldn't even say the conservative side. Let's say the moderate side, the side that doesn't want to go to socialism. Are there enough voices there to shout down those that are, you know, invading Penn's, uh, Grand Central now and causing anarchy there. Are there more vo- Are there enough to combat that? That's where I think it's tough. I think there's a lot of folks, especially on the Internet and just in day-to-day conversation, that have something to say, that do go out and say what needs to be done. Um, and the problem is it's, I think in a lot of ways, sometimes we don't necessarily fight the left the way they're fighting us. We, we live in a, war, a world of, of escalation. You know, uh, somebody gets a show, then you get a counter show. Somebody doesn't like the counter show, so they end up, you know, committing an act of violence against that, that particular thing. It, it, it gets worse and worse and worse that way. And I think we're seeing that a lot, especially from the left with their acts of violence. It's not enough to just battle the ideas, to weigh them out, to kind of see them measured and find out if they're wanting or not. But they have to take it up one more level to that escalating violence. But how do you really deal with or negotiate with somebody that their only response to your ideas is violence? And I don't necessarily have an answer to that at this point. And you know what else? Speaking of escalating... Uh, because I'm watching the coronavirus coverage on my screen. Yes. The, what the CDC spokesman said is wildly irresponsible. But then Chuck Schumer says, you know, Trump's handling this terribly. Are we really going to put coronavirus and instead of focus on solutions, blame Trump for it? Is that how low we've gotten? Well, and, and that's kind of the, the whole thing we've been dealing with for the last, what, three years now? You know, yeah, Trump says yeah. era is good. All of a sudden, somebody's got to come out and say, how dare he say that? You know, and, and it's very frustrating because if we want to have this dialogue, please, let's have this dialogue. Let's talk ideas. Let's not just try to explain. Let's not try to – there's nothing that one person, president or not, can do that would have prevented this virus from even coming out to begin with. And uh, uh, so to say that is, is you know – it's just disingenuous altogether, and, and I don't think it makes any thinking working-class person look at the Democrat Party as being reasonable whenever they do that. And, you know, Trump was upset that these 14 Americans landed here. I'd be upset, too. Like, why okay. are we allowing this to happen? He's thinking like we are, Ed. Well, and, and he, he, he knows that there should be a protocol to something like that. There's a general public safety, and, you know, a pandemic only starts, you know, when, after you're your first person. That's all it takes is one person, your patient zero. And if you're just allowing them to go, you know, to the mainland area and infect everybody else, how many people have been infected along the way? I mean, not to sound all, you know, pop culture or anything, but if you've seen the movie 12 Monkeys, of where was the place they released the virus? An airport. 
or Contagion, a a number of those movies. And by the way, uh, back to Bernie Sanders for a second. He said in in his big crazy plan last night, well, we can bail out Wall Street. We can bail out the college students, whatever. Uh But later on, he says, oh, these taxes have been imposed in Great Britain. Hey, Brexit's going on there. France. Hey, protests going on there. Oh, and by the way, you're comparing us to China now. You want us to be like China that can't even contain the coronavirus? I mean, someone's got to point all that out. Well, and then I think it was some Democrats that actually kind of went after him recently, too, for his commentary on uh, on Castro's Cuba, because he had said something to the effect of, you know, hey, you know, they had some good things going on in Cuba, you know, the literacy and healthcare and a couple other things. And I'm sorry, you can say the literacy programs are great in Cuba. You can say whatever was good there. But all of that is negated by the political prisoners and the executions. Right. The moment you start doing something like that, any goodwill you that that's like praising Hitler, because if I recall correctly, a lot of medical knowledge was gained from the terrible things that the Nazi regime did, and they were also responsible for what we have modern day as our our uh, interstate highways and our aerospace. Actually, that. enough, NASA right. was kind of had had that as well. So I mean, we can't praise an individual despite whatever you know nice thing they may have happen to trip upon I, there's so much negative that was there to, to turn a blind eye to that again it dishonors the dead and it just sets up useless idiots to just accept their fate and i refuse to do that well well and i wonder if many cuban americans are going to call your show up tonight and talk about that maybe they are offended as much as, as you and I are about the comments. Uh, I'd be interesting to hear from them. Um, but speaking of Nazi Germany, the fire that Chris Matthews is facing is just so fake outrage. Like, he just doesn't want socialism here. And it's amazing that a left-wing uh, commentator is saying this stuff. Well, it doesn't surprise me. I mean, look what they did. If you took a look at the full context of what Matthews said, it, okay, was it, I thought it was a good analogy. Um, was it something he should be fired for? Is it something that he should be lambasted for? No. If you have a different opinion, state it. You know, but it's an opinion. That's all, that's kind of what he does. But would you be? Were you surprised he's even condemned socialism and gone outright against the Democratic lead? Like I, it was just surprising to see him speak out in general against the Democrats on this. I think I, it doesn't surprise me in the sense that. I don't think him or a lot of the the so-called establishment Democrats want to see Sanders because a lot of what Sanders offers is the antithesis of what the Democrat Party has done for so many years. Bernie Sanders just lays it all out there. I mean, I'll I'll give him credit with credit's due. He's consistent, and he tells you exactly what he wants to do. Everyone else wants to shroud it with, you know, sprinkles and chocolate and scents and all the other stuff. Not Sanders. He's just going to throw it all out there. He doesn't pretend to be something he's not. He just tells you what he is. And I think a lot of Democrats, that scares them. And I believe it scares them for the right reason, because they know the majority of people are going to turn away from that. Well, and and I mean, you'd... Well, actually, for Trump's case, I don't really think it'd be bad if Sanders got elected, to be very honest with you. But then again, sorry... 
I, I think for Trump, though, if Sanders gets elected, that makes Trump's election a little easier. Or, or would you would you advise against thinking that? I think it's a double-edged sword. I think it could potentially make things easier. Um, I'm of the mindset that at this particular point, if the election were held today, Trump's winning. And it's not going to be it's not going to be a spanking. It's going to be an onslaught. And I believe that there will be a supermajority in the House of Representatives just because of all the antics of the last three years. Um, could it be harder with Sanders as the nominee? It's possible because these uh, Bernie rallies, boy, they're, they're, uh, they're hardcore. They, they'll, they'll go to them rallies. They'll get all worked up. And then, of course, like you know, you've got uh, the squad over there that are backing him as well. And I'm not. And all the money at this. I'm not trying to accuse anybody here, but I, I just wonder if some of these intense Bernie Bros actually have Antifa connections. I feel like if you're that combative online, mm-hmm. imagine what you're like in person. I have no doubt about that. Leading up into November, I would totally expect to derive just from that. By the way, uh, some breaking news. I'm going to break to you if you want to mention it tonight. Eleven jurors are called back for the Roger Stone uh, case, so that trial's Uh-oh. not dead yet. Oh, this is going to be interesting. And this is another thing where Trump actually looks genius on, because he and if you don't want him to interfere with Barr or whatever, whatever, but you can't deny he has a sense of where the news and where where these corruptions are happening, and the Stone mm-hmm. case is a pure example. I mean, he. He smelt it from the beginning, and he finally commented on it. Well, and I think his timing on there is perfect. I love the fact that he doesn't really use media to make commentary on it. He's blocked out of everybody on straight social media, and it becomes his. And yeah. I thought it was kind of ridiculous. 40 months. 40 months for essentially lying to the FBI is what he was accused of. I mean, there are people that can commit heinous crimes to get far less time than that. Or get back on the streets like in New York. <laughs> you know, this is what oh. the reality is. Yep. Yep. R.O.R. Release on your own retirement. And so we'll trust you to come back. Never see that person again. Right. I mean, uh, like they're ever going to go back to the court date after you give them Met tickets. You know, that's... that's Right. But that is for some reason... That, okay. So on the subway today... Man, I'm just talking about everything that happened today. But Ed, on the subway today... There was an announcement over the loudspeaker on the subway. Please don't sleep on subway platforms or subway cars or you'll be subjected to civil penalty. So we've gone from subject to arrest to civil penalty. Like, how come we're so weak? What is going on? Like, civil penalty doesn't scare me. Does it scare you? No. Well, that's another question. You mentioned the subway platform. Do you really consider it? Yeah. The civil penalty. somebody. Somehow I don't think you're going to be collecting on that. Say that one more time. Your phone was breaking up a little bit. No. I was saying, somehow I don't think you're going to be collecting on that because the individual that's sleeping on a subway platform probably doesn't have a lot of money. If any at all. So true. Yeah. So, so would you say... Subjecting them to arrest is a little too harsh, or is that about right? Well, I think, you know, like with anything else, I mean, you have to use common sense, police discretion. You know, if you're chasing somebody off, 
I mean, I think maybe that's what you need to do on the onset. If it's a habitual offender, then you need to deal with it accordingly. You know, and maybe arrest isn't necessarily the best means of doing it. Maybe it's detention and then getting into so getting that person to the right resources that they need. And I mean, there's obviously, you know, the bigger cities like New York and San Francisco, L.A., you have a larger homeless problem than you do, say, in places like, you know, uh, Milwaukee, which does have one, but not nearly as much as these larger cities. Right. But maybe by getting them to the right services they need, I don't know. And I, it just, it just came off as weird as that we're watering down now the idea of criminal punishment here in New York, just hearing civil penalty over arrest. That's just what clicked in my brain. Well, I think it's kind of a shame too, because I mean, there's always been this argument, I and mean, it's been going on for for years about what is the purpose of the criminal justice system. Is there rehabilitation, reform, punishment? Um, going to a system of civil forfeitures and fines, I don't think it's going to be any deterrent whatsoever. You know, especially when it comes to a lot of things, if you know that you can essentially buy your way out. I was just looking and summing up because I saw earlier today, speaking of criminal justice reform, Bernie Sanders' main guy behind that was arrested. I don't know if you heard that or not, but that was kind of a headline popping up on my news feed today. No, I missed that. I'm going to further research that and send you the link. But uh, Ed Delgado, while I have you here, the Caramel Conservative, where can people listen to, to you tonight? And what can we expect to hear from you tonight oh. on the heels of the debate, on the heels of this tax plan released by Sanders? I mean, there's not much to cover, right? <laughs> oh, no, no, there is nothing at all. Um, we got a couple of different stories that obviously we're going to be talking about. Apparently, there's the, uh, as the Lab Bible, and all if you follow them on uh, Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram, oftentimes they'll post some interesting stories, but they're posting about a young girl out in Germany who's an anti-climate denier. As they and call she it. will be at CPAC. Ah, uh, that's what I heard. But I'd love to talk a little bit about her because I had an opportunity to watch one of her YouTube videos yesterday, and very, very well-spoken. Very well-spoken. So and, I'm going to want to try to talk about that a bit. Uh, Bernie Sanders, obviously. We got a couple other pop culture things because, again, I, I like to bring up the pop culture th- uh, references because there's so much of this, this leftist liberal agenda that is embedded into it that if you overlook it, you're going to get your kids before you get to them. And that's kind of a sad reality. And I'm kind of curious to know what your thoughts are on Clint Eastwood going from Trump to Bloomberg in a New York minute. He's an actor. You know, same thing that I said uh, when he, I mean, I mean, it was hilarious with the empty chair that he did. Uh, that whole, I think if anybody's upset about this, you got to remember, if you're blasting him in an individual because they're getting their, you know, who they should vote for from actors, and now you're upset because your guy decided to go somewhere else. He's an actor. You know, what do you really expect? And he's entitled to his opinion. It just kind of is what it is. And I just hope you know. he did it not under the rest of being blacklisted if he supported Trump again. I'm only, I'm hoping that wasn't the reason why he switched. But you never know in Hollywood. Well, I think it was kind of funny too. I've done it on social media. Yet I saw a lot of people just blasting Eastwood. And I was like, wait a minute, wait a minute. 
four years ago, you were say, riding high on Eastwood. Now all of a sudden, he's like, you know, don't pay attention to him. It's Alzheimer's. It's this, that, and the other. And I'm just like, you know what? Just stop being, again, we can be disingenuous on the right, too. It should be called out accordingly. He's an actor. He's an individual. He's entitled to his opinion. Oh, yeah, and by the way, he's still thing. he's still acting at 89. I mean, that's the amazing part. Right. And from what I understand, he's putting out a lot of good work. So it's, you know, God bless you, and I hope there are many more years to come. Absolutely. And so same to you and same to Clint Eastwood and everybody. Uh, Ed, we will listen tonight. Give, give people a direct and where to, ta- where to listen to you. All right, so um, definitely check us out. We're actually going to be on live tonight. It's uh, we broadcast obviously from Speaker.com, where Alex is broadcasting as well. Well, not exactly, but you can check us out on our website. That's the CaramelConservative.com. You can get on board there, and there is a live chat room. And God willing, I'll have the live telephone number up and running. So we'll see what happens there. All right, phone lines might be open tonight, guys. You might want to jump on that and uh, listen to them. Is it down the dial in podcasting or up the dial? I don't know. But uh, he's up there as well on Spreaker. So take a listen. Caramel Conservative featuring Ed Delgado. Ed, as always, a pleasure. And let's stay in touch. And this isn't over. This story is not over. And and these conversations just haven't, you know, they're not going to end yet. So let's have another one soon. That sounds like a plan, sir, because I think our next, uh, what, eight, nine months? Always going to be an interesting one. Absolutely. I'm Alex Garrett, and we will talk to you soon. Tomorrow, a debate about whether or not David Ayers is an embarrassment to the Carolina Hurricanes and the NHL for winning as an emergency backup. You'll hear more of that tomorrow. I'm Alex Garrett. Take care. Thanks so much, Ed.